Welcome to this podcast by Global Church. We are a church planting movement wanting to reach cities from here to everywhere, one to everyone. If you want to find out more information, check out our website on www.globalchurch.co.uk. Good morning, Global Church and friends. Um, I hope you've had a good week. And um, I want to continue uh, my talk from last week, which, about, which is about an orphan attitude or an orphan spirit. And uh, I want to just recap on some things. And we looked at the story of the prodigal son, which is a father who has two sons. And uh, the younger son says, give me my inheritance now. And he, he takes his inheritance, goes to a distant country, squanders all the money, loses it all on wild living. Then he comes to his senses, he hits rock bottom in life, comes to his senses. When his money ran out, all his friends ran out. You know what I'm talking about. Comes to his senses. Sometimes when you're that low, the only way you can do it, the only thing you can do is look up. You know, as the song says, the only way is up, baby, for you and me now. <laughs> so he looked up and, uh, and there's hope when you look up because God wants to meet us where we're at. What I love about God is you don't have to clean your act up for him to receive you as you are. And when the young son ran back to his father with an alibi, not like an alibi, but we a line to get in, in, back in with his dad. His dad turned around and just fell on him. He ran out to meet him, hugged him, accepted him in all his filth and, uh, and all the, 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 the mistakes that he'd made. He surrounded it all with his love. He covered it with his love, hugged his son, kissed him, put a new robe on him, a new ring on his finger, new shoes on his feet, and threw a big party for him. He didn't go wagging his finger like that. And there's something for a lot of parents to understand. Although sometimes when your son or your daughter's messed up, you know, it says, you know, Madonna sang, Papa, don't preach. I'm in trouble. We don't, they don't need a preacher when they're coming back. Keep that door wide open. And, and, you know, the father did what was unexpected. And he threw a party for his son that was lost, but now he's found. Absolutely brilliant story. The older brother, however, didn't join in the party. And we pick the story up in Luke chapter 15, verse 25. Meanwhile, the elder son was in the field, working away, beavering away. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come home, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The, old, the elder brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he, he answered his father, look, he said, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, really. Yet you never gave me even a, a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you're always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he's found. And, you know, the parable finishes there and Jesus never continues it to say, yes, the older, bro the older brother repented of his orphan spirit and his angry outbursts and his resentment at somebody else getting something that he didn't get. And he repented of all that and he joined the party 
and he's going to be there in heaven, you know, when eternity kicks in. We don't get that. We don't know whether he gets, whether he makes it or whether he doesn't make it, whether he finds forgiveness and he's saved for eternity or whether he's lost for eternity. It's a scary place to be. And last week I shared some traits of an orphan spirit or an orphan mentality. And often, uh, and, and this happens uh, a, a lot through divorce. And again, there's absolutely no moral judgments or condemnation, but it's just a fact of life. Young people find it difficult to connect. And, um, you know, often in a divorce, they feel guilty, like it's their fault that mum and dad didn't make it. And that it's just like, now, uh, you know, it's, they're, they're the ones and, uh, causing all the arguments and stuff. It's very strange what happens uh, uh, to kids and to children, to teenagers. But nevertheless, it's there and they find it difficult to connect. But even people that come from uh, a home where mum and dad are present and, and, and actually get on and stuff like that, you know, this, this can still happen uh, to people. Young people are f trying to find themselves, they're trying to discover themselves, that they have this idea so often that you can't love me for who I am. You can only love me for what I do and what I bring. An orphan spirit as a work hard mentality. It's like, I'll prove that I'm good. I'll prove that I'm worthy of something. And uh, they're ashamed to ask for help. They never feel accepted. An orphan spirit feels abandoned and rejected. An orphan spirit uh, responds when it's rejected or feels abandoned by performance and achievement. Saying, right, well, you might not accept me as part of your group, but you just watch me, my, my life will take off and uh, they struggle with identity and the orphan spirit causes a person to 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 be competitive but never satisfied the perfectionism makes them miserable who knows anything about that perfectionism um it's, it's cruel it's a cruel master an orphan spirit can't receive a father's love or a mother's love it can't there's emptiness and neediness in an orphan spirit. An orphan spirit causes a person to be emotionally unstable. An orphan spirit causes a person to isolate themselves. We see more and more how people, uh, you know, just respond to a computer and, you know, they, they've got friends online, but no friends that they meet and they have no face to face, no, no, no physical contact with people. Fiercely independent. And they're full of fear. An orphan spirit is full of fear and insecurity. Um, sometimes that insecurity is not about you know, them being accepted or whatever. It's about missing out. It's about somebody's getting something that they're not. They're jealous. Or probably a better word than jealous, I think, is envy. They're envious. Jealousy is when somebody has got something that belongs to you. Envy is where somebody's got something that you want. And the story of the prodigal son... And the older brother is, the older brother wanted what the younger son had, and that was a party. And uh, an affection, a display of affection from his father that he's probably had many times, but never, never seen it, never registered it. And he's certainly never had a party thrown. That's what he said. That's what he accused his dad of. But he never grasped that a party was the right response for a son that was lost that had returned back home. 
So that's just some of the traits. Fits of rage and anger is another trait of uh, an orphan's spirit. So you don't have to have lost a mum and a dad to have an orphan spirit. Jesus said to his disciples, I'm going back to the Father, but I'll not leave you as orphans, but I will send you the Holy Spirit. And he's with you, but he will be within you. And uh, that was his promise. Uh, just, just to go over my points from last week, an orphan spirit lives in religion. And religion is what's left when you take Jesus and the revelation of Jesus out of Christianity. Where there's no revelation of Jesus, you've got religion. And religion is essentially about uh, my efforts or, or your efforts to reach God, or rather than um, God's efforts, great efforts to reach us. See, Christianity is not about us reaching up to God, it's about God reaching down to us. And it says that, that God became flesh, and, or the word became flesh, I should say, and dwelt amongst us. And uh, Jesus came down from heaven and, uh, and showed us what God was like. So God has sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to, to redeem those who were under the law. And uh, so that we that uh, uh, don't know about the law of Moses, might receive the adoption of sons. Wow. You know, the, 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 the believing Jewish nation, there is a difference. You can be a Jew, born a Jew, but not a believer. And, but the believing Jewish people, they're heirs with Jesus. And, and, you know, they know that they belong to God. And then we come along as Gentiles and we didn't get the promises and all the agreements, the covenants of the Old Testament that God made with this nation, the Jews. And so we come along and we're like, we're, we're, out, we're outside, we're like orphans. And Jesus' death on the cross paid the price for our sins so that we could be brought in to a relationship with God. And we could be co-heirs, not just with believing Jewish people, but with co-heirs with Jesus himself. And it's like, Wow. So we get a huge inheritance now and we didn't deserve it because we were all sinners. But we've been brought close by the blood of Jesus, the Bible says. He's Jesus, it was Jesus' blood that reconciled us back to God when we were estranged and separated because of our sins. Jesus took all of God's hand and he took all of man's, mankind's hand and he brought us together in the cross and it cost him his life. Three days later, he rose again and said, not only have I given you, I've pardoned your past, but I've given you a great future. But more than that, I'm going to give you a spirit of sonship. You'll find that in Romans chapter 8. Absolutely beautiful. But number one, an orphan heart lives in a religious spirit and loves religion. Number two, an orphan spirit brings out anger. The older brother was angry that his dad had, had thrown a party for this this waster of a brother, as he thought. Number three, an orphan spirit pushes a person into isolation. And that's where our thinking goes all skewed. We think people are thinking this and the other about us, and they're not. So often they're not. But that's what isolation does. It moves us away from community and, and from communion. As in, you know, being around people and connecting with people, being within the community. You know, Thomas... 
uh, I was saying last week that Thomas was uh, not part of the, the, the disciples that saw the, the resurrected Jesus. And he says, he says, unless I can put my finger in the nail prints and put my hand in his side, I'll never believe. And he could talk like that because he hadn't been in community. It was in isolation. Whether it was because he had an orphan spirit or whether it was just the pressure of that time and the confusion of that time for all the disciples. But whatever it was, his thinking wasn't right because he was in isolation. But when he got back into the community, Jesus appeared and he went, ah, get it. You see, an orphan spirit thrives in religion. What is religion? It's where there's no revelation of Jesus. The disciples had had a further revelation of Jesus. It was resurrected. Thomas didn't have that re revelation of him. And he said, I don't believe. I can't believe. It's impossible. And maybe you're like that. When it comes to the resurrection, you're saying, I can believe Jesus is an historic figure, but I can't believe he died on a cross and then rose again three days later. What proof is there? Well, there's loads of proof. I haven't time to go into it, but I will do some teaching on it. There is loads of proof. They, they just, can I just say, just one, one big proof. The testimony of the disciples who saw him crucified, who ran away because they were going to get murdered as well for following Jesus. And you know what? Within five weeks of denying him and, 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 and seeing him die on the cross, they're now preaching a risen Christ, not just a crucified Christ, but a risen Christ. What had happened to these fearful men within five week, a five-week period standing up in the heart of Judaism, which is Jerusalem, standing up in a festival of, of the, the, uh, the Pentecost and saying, this Jesus whom you crucified, God raised from the dead. And what happened to these men to be so transformed? The, the only logical answer, I'm shrinking the, the argument down, is that they met with the risen Jesus. You see, it's one thing to, to die for a lie, and most of the disciples died for preaching a risen Christ because they refused to stop preaching about the risen Christ. It's one thing to die for a lie, not knowing it to be a lie. But when you do know it's a lie and you fabricated it and now you've got to go and die for what you know is to be a lie, very few people will die for something that they know is not true. But these men died willingly. And Peter, uh, tradition has it, says that when they came to crucify him, he said, I am not worthy to be crucified like my Lord. And so they turned him upside down and crucified him upside down. This is, this is awesome. This is stuff of legends. Actually, I can't use that word legend. <laughs> it's fact. But anyway, I'm just saying there's arguments, strong argument, arguments to prove a resurrected Christ. Thomas didn't believe, but he got a revelation of the risen Christ. And he believed. And you know, his church is still going, apparently, to, to this day. That Thomas, he left uh, Palestine and he planted a church in, in India, and that church is still going to this very day, I am told. Anyway, by the by, an orphan spirit pushes a person into isolation. What are you like? You know, I used the scripture last week from Proverbs 18, verse 1. A man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. And, you know, we become just so individualistic with an orphan spirit, and, but so lonely. It pushes you to just, it's just me and mine. You never ask anybody for help. You just, I did it my way. It's a lonely road. It's a horrible thing. And yet it's so prevalent. It's so widespread in our society. Number four, an orphan spirit has a sense of entitlement. The father used the older brother's money to throw a party. 
and the father had already split his money between the two brothers. He didn't have anything, so he was using what was there. And the son, the older son said, you never gave me a goat entitlement. Gave him one, you never gave me one. Come on, where's mine? Didn't give him a goat. The father gave him a farm of goats. He gave him, he had loads of goats, but because he didn't have one prepared and put one, can you see the difference? An orphan spirit does not think straight, but it has a sense of entitlement. And we have a, a nation now in Britain where people have a sense of entitlement that the government, you, you should be providing this for me. You should be providing that. The education system, you should be providing this. And the NHS, we should be providing that. And I think, wow, go, you need to do a bit of travel and go around some other countries. You will, you will fight like mad to get back into this country. It's an amazing country, but you have nothing to compare it with. But that sense of entitlement. You know, the first thing that, that, that comes when you've when you, uh, got an orphan spirit the first thing that, that usually happens is you're hurt, you're wounded. And uh, once you're wounded, you can't celebrate others' successes. Once you're wounded, you're angry. You've got anger leads to entitlement and entitlement leads to control. See, the older brother refused to go in to the party. He's controlling the party by not even being there. People know he hasn't come to celebrate his younger brother. So he's now controlling. Can you see how this orphan spirit works it desires to control people and control situations what are you like today he said i don't think i've got that orphan spirit well stick around because you might see some traits of it in yourself and uh, we need to get rid of entitlement this fella felt entitled to, to a goat and he got offended that his, do his dad didn't you know kill the fattened calf for him you know it moves from from uh, entitlement to like what's fair well it's it's not fair he's getting something i didn't get he's having a party that i didn't have uh, uh, then that can be called discrimination we're hearing all these words in our society now and it's like discrimination um but the you know it's interesting that the the, the father didn't demand anything he didn't demand honor from his son but he gave honor he went out to reason with his son the father didn't demand respect. He just served his sons. We need to lose the entitlement mentality that an orphan spirit brings. You say, well, isn't this doormat Christianity? He's letting people walk all over you. And I would say, no, it's cross Christianity. Jesus said, if anyone desires to follow me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. One's about denying yourself. You know, becoming a Christian is one of the toughest things you'll ever do. It's a gift. It's eternal life from God and there's a new power. The power of the Holy Spirit comes to work on the inside of you. And the Holy Spirit's a person and he begins to speak with you and convict you and, and get, helps you to change your thinking. He lines you up with God's word. He is absolutely amazing, but he does bring a power with him. It's a power encounter with God. It's awesome in the real sense of that, that word. It's awesome. And the Holy Spirit comes into us and um, he helps us to, to live in our new nature. We get a, a new nature from God. In the past, we got our old nature from Adam. But now we get our new nature from Jesus. And the Holy Spirit brings it and deposits it in our lives.
And our new nature says yes to what's right. But our old nature there is battling away to say, yeah, but you know you want it, you know you want it. And it's trying to drag us down. One's lifting us up and onwards and heavenwards. The other one's dragging us back downwards and it's hellish. And each day we have to deny ourselves. And then Jesus says, take up your cross every day. A cross is something that you die on. You die to self and you live for God. And he says, then come and follow me. Come and follow my purposes. There is a way to follow Jesus. There is a right way to live. It's not for the faint-hearted. Everybody's welcome. And the weakest person in this world, when they give their life to Jesus, can become so strong they never even believed it. And there's a transformation in their life. Never ever look at a Christian and think, oh, they're just weak, they've opted out. You try saying no to yourself on a daily basis. You try saying yes to, to dying, uh, to, to, to the, your sinful nature. You, you try saying yes to following Jesus and Jesus' ways when he says, forgive people that have hurt you. Let it go. Move away from offence. Forgive. Love covers a multitude of sins. Sometimes you have people in your life and they're hard work and, uh, and, and you know, they, they become believers in church and they don't transform initially. And they're hard work to be around them. And Peter addresses that in his letter and he says, you love deeply from the heart. You know, some people need more love than others. And, and a person riddled with an orphan spirit, they need people around them to be patient with them because they are awkward. They're not easily consoled. They're not easily connected into church. And we've got to spend time, it says, Paul says, let your gentleness be evident to all. And, you know, it's tough. The toughest job in the world, let me tell you what it is. The toughest job. The greatest heroes in this world along with firefighters and, 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 and uh, people that protect our nations, you know, commanders of units and stuff like that, and the armed forces, church leaders, whether you call them a pastor, a vicar, priest, they are, the, they are some of the toughest, most robust, most resilient, most selfless people in the whole world. And I'm not saying that because I'm that, I'm saying that because it's true. Anyway, just moving on. The father didn't demand honour. He gave honour. He didn't demand respect. He served. And, uh, you know, real Christianity is not about uh, being, you know, self-discovery and self-seeking and self-absorbed. Yes, we get to know ourselves and that's important. There is an amount of self-discovery. I get all that. But it's not, I'm tired of self-seeking. I'm not, it's not just that I'm tired. But Christianity, Christianity gives you the keys to finding uh, fulfillment, really. And you often you find fulfillment not in being self-seeking. Jesus said, if you want to save your life, you must lose it. And he who saves his life, he who tries to keep hold of his life, will lose it. In other words, somebody that's self-absorbed will never ever enter in to what, what greatness there is in life because they just left. It's all about them and how they feel and how they think. And an orphan spirit is full of that kind of stuff. An orphan spirit is jealous when others are promoted. An orphan spirit is jealous when others are promoted. It resents someone else's success. In the Bible, we've got King Saul. 
and then a young boy called David, who then became a young man. And uh, uh, Saul was the, the tallest man in the whole of his nation. He was a handsome man. He had a kingdom and he had a throne. He had everything. And one day, some girls went out singing a song. Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his tens of thousands. And the moment Saul heard that, something went off inside of him. He was so angry. Why are you angry, Saul? You've killed thousands. They're still singing that you're, you're amazing. And you are an amazing person. You've got so many things going for you. But he couldn't see that because he spoke even better of David. And a, 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 an orphan spirit cannot stand somebody else being celebrated. Every blessing that comes to somebody else is a test for us <laughs> that are watching. And every test carries a blessing. So a blessing is not always for me or for you. It's for them. And we've got to learn to celebrate and, and enjoy what somebody else is getting. When God uh, opens a door for somebody or bestows some honour on somebody, you know, through, uh, through other human beings. And it's like, oh, what about me, God? What, what, what about me? And, you know, where's my promotion? And instead of getting all bent out of shape like Saul did with David, he should have just said, I am glad to have David on my team because if I'm killing thousands and he's killing tens of thousands, we're going to conquer our enemies. How fantastic's that? Yeah? It's, we've all got our lane to run in. We've got to learn to run in that. I'm, I'm going to come on to... On, on, on to, to, to that, it's important. Um, to look at the first murder in the Bible, it happened, again, between two brothers, Cain and Abel, and they brought an offering to God. One was acceptable, uh, Abel, the younger brother, and one wasn't, and, and God blessed Abel, but didn't bless Cain. And Cain was furious. He was really angry, the Bible says in Genesis chapter four. And he said to his brother Abel, he said, come out with me into the field. And his, his brother followed it. Oh, it's just such a tragic, awful story. But, you know, he killed his brother. He couldn't celebrate his brother. And so he killed him. And, you know, we're not like that often in the church. Or even, you, you know, maybe you're not at a church. Uh, you, you, you don't go to church or anything like that. But you way you treat people, we don't kill them with, with swords or spears or guns or bombs. No, we kill them with our tongue. We find a way of killing them and just saying, yeah, yeah, well, I suppose, well, they must be making someone, I can see the car they're, uh, they're driving, yeah, well, somebody's making a killing somewhere, someone's paying for that. And we have a way of, of not celebrating when, when, when uh, somebody is, is clearly getting on in life, being successful. I keep trying to resist the word blessed because it just doesn't mean a lot in our culture. And it's such a strong word, and I don't just want to say, well, blessed. But, um, you know, when, when good things happen to people, it's a test for all the others that are watching. And, you know, we, I hope you pass the test, but an orphan spirit can't. It resents it. And Saul was like that, and Cain was like that. But number six, and last of all, I want to say, an orphan spirit can, can have everything and not do anything with it. And you know, the older brother, he, he, he couldn't, the father said to him, all I have is yours, but he couldn't do anything with it. Why? Because he focused on what he, his, his dad wasn't doing for him. He focused on what he didn't have rather than what he did have. And he had so much more than one little goat. 
He had hundreds of goats. He owned the farm. He had the title deed. He's like, for goodness sake, you know, why don't you get a loan on, on your farm and buy another farm? And why don't you create even more goats if you want a goat? You know what I'm saying? But number six, an orphan spirit can, can have everything, but can't use it because they're focusing on what they don't have. And let that not be your story today because Jesus wants to set us free from this orphan spirit. And only Jesus can. A revelation of Jesus. And that's, that's Christianity, but it's a revelation of who Jesus really is. And he comes and by his Holy Spirit, he brings a spirit of sonship and he gives to us. And all we have to, we have to learn to receive. And we start to move from being orphan-minded to being son. I'm going to say son blessed, but that's a lot of red in it. But to, to being to, to having that spirit of sonship where we're like, I belong. I've come home. I belong. And uh, maybe that's you today that needs to find that. That's your, your uh, journey that needs to happen. Saying, God, help me. Give me your Holy Spirit so I can begin to feel like I belong, not like I'm an outsider. And, uh, you know, that's up to you. you. You're the one that's got to make that move towards God. And then you start to open up to other people. You find connections and you find that's what church is. It's where people have found each other and they're learning to celebrate each other. I could go on forever, but, um, you know, we're going to finish there. Well, every week we give people an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. And through Jesus, we find forgiveness and eternal life through the Heavenly Father and uh, being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's amazing. It's summed up in the phrase, the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God comes to our hearts and it liberates us from our sins, our sinfulness, our restrictions. And, and he, he, he floods us with forgiveness and new power, new energy, new morality, new understanding of God. It's a great way to live. It's the best way to live. If you want to say yes to Jesus, I'm going to give you a simple prayer that you can, repair, you can repeat after me. Here we go. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross to pay the price for my sins. I don't deserve it, but I receive your forgiveness. I open the door of my heart to you and I ask that you'll send your Holy Spirit to come and live within me to bring me the assurance that I am a son or a daughter of God. A spirit of sonship, daughtership. Fill me to overflowing with assurance that I'm right with you and give me power to follow you every day of my life. Amen. Thanks for listening. And next week, hopefully we're going to conclude with how do we handle and break free from this orphan spirit and we give us six guides and six helps. So uh, tune in next week. From the team here at Global Church, thank you for listening to this podcast. Please check out our other messages available on the website 